whether it comes to police officers or border agents or I- anything, you never say those people are bad people. You can't. They're not the ones that are telling people to go get kids out of the house. They are just the ones that have to enforce that. While the people that told them to mm-hmm. are sleeping, safe, sleeping safely in their bed. And instead of demonizing those individuals, we have to take the fight to individuals that create law. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. What's going on, Humanized family? Um, it's been a break. It's still season four. We're coming back. We just wanted to start it off after our break with um, just a mini episode, just to get back into the swing of things, talking about what's important to us. I mean, every episode is important to us, but having a dialogue with my co-host is just so amazing. And it just kind of resends me and gets us back to the beginning. Yeah, Emily, I'm, I'm excited to be back here with you. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to be back, too. This is going to be a really weird episode, Courtney, because (laughs) Courtney and I can't see each other. Our internet is not very strong, so we don't have our videos on. This is the first time we've ever recorded without being able to see each other. And I feel kind of like a freak just sitting in my basement talking (laughs) to no one. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) We just got to be heavy on the verbal cues. The verbal (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So if it's awkward, don't mind us. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to all the people that are joining us on Patreon, where we're releasing some exclusive content and interactive stuff. So if you're interested in becoming more involved and supporting this work, that money all goes to supporting our production team, who's amazing. Um, and as, as little as a dollar a month, you can help us out and gain access to the humanized family. So thank you, everyone who's been joining us there. Courtney, tell me about your last couple months. Like we haven't we haven't connected since I don't know when the last that we recorded in June, I guess. Um, oh man, been a roller coaster. Well. The last couple of months of me and been in Colorado, wrapping up the work I'm doing there with um, the students. But just recently, my grandmother passed, you know, uh-huh. and so that was a huge blow to the family. Mm. And so we were dealing with that. And I recently got into photography. Mm-hmm. Just such a blessing to be able to document that and immortalize her life in that way. And uh-huh. also give my, my father and my, my aunts and uncles and the cousins and everyone like a photo book. Uh, mm. just the whole experience and so i'm oh, working wow. on that now and it's been really really great you know what i'm saying and just like i get to be in a position to like i said before immortalize a memory you know uh-huh. and so who would have known when i started off in photography that i'd be in a position to continue it on and give a, a great gift like this to my, my own family so Aww. i feel i feel pretty blessed about that uh, it's been it's been rough yeah yeah we used to always go to st thomas and every school year and just be with her and just I, I love the Caribbean I love being around family we have a huge family so every year was a family reunion every year was like the most amazing thing and just to see everybody in one space like 
we cried, we laughed, we mm. chose, we mm. um, we reminisced, and just it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss that you're going through, and it's lovely to imagine you know the whole family getting together. When you say you have a big family, like what are we talking about? Huh. <laughs> yeah, we hold it down. We hold it down the left side of a church right now. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a club, like. The, only the family was at the funeral and you would have thought it was a it was a congregation you know like <laughs> everyone came from the caribbean from new york like the north northeast most of the family is north northeast because when caribbean folks usually come it's like either new york anywhere in pennsylvania anywhere up north for some reason you know so most of the family was there mm-hmm. yeah so we we it, it's a lot of and you were gathering in atlanta in august so like, what is that like? Five hundred degrees or? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I can't imagine being packed in with family. Yeah, it's it's hot. It's hot. It's not. It's not a game. It's not Colorado. Yeah, you walk uh, around mainly in white and um, like t-shirts and, and sweats and flip flops. Uh, yeah, you dress up for a second. It's like no, sir. No, 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 no wool suit. Oh no! You want to die? What are we talking about? <laughs> No, not at all. Oh, well, I'm sorry you're going through that. But in some ways, you know, I'm glad that you don't have school going on right now, that you can just really focus your attention there and be with your family. Yeah. How about you? Let's see. Yeah, we just had an incredible summer. So I was able to go out east for five weeks with my husband and two little kids and meet up with my dad and my sister and her boyfriend and stepmom right by the ocean, which was incredible. And so it was, we didn't even rent a car. We just, you know, biked to camp and walked to the beach and beautiful, very well-kept community. And just lots of like, I don't know, for me, I never really quite take a break from reflecting. It's kind of an issue. I'm constantly burnt out. I need to, the only way I can like really take a break is to watch like a completely mindless movie or show. It's a, you know, an area of growth for me, unplugging for a little bit, but there's just a lot to reflect upon there in terms of like the socioeconomic class I grew up in and the the history there with that land being taken over from Native Americans and like they it was the 150th anniversary of this community and so they did a like an exhibition of the history and lots of different panels of photographs explaining everything as well as the tribe that was living there before the colonizers came and it was just one you know one panel on this and I just felt like it was I don't know I could just feel it in my chest like how do you sit with the like the both and of this situation like this place you know being a microcosm of this country of like this land was just taken and then it grew because we exploited and took people from Africa. And this is a beautiful and safe place for me to have my kids roaming around. And it's where I roamed around when I was a kid. It's where my mom roamed around when she was a kid. And so to like sit with the the celebration of that privilege, but also it is a very not diverse area, you know, and a lot of the people of color are in like service industry there. It's just a very uncomfortable, but it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just so many contradictory emotions. Cause I do love it. Like I had an amazing time and it was a really sweet time for my kids. So I don't know. 
just feel like there's like that impulse to like change everything, right? Of like, this is not okay. But it's like, but is that really what we're doing? Or like, how do we open this up to more and more people? Not shut this place down, but like, you know, I don't know. So anyway, there's... I totally understand. It's like, how do you not feel guilty for your success and where you come from? And also you're recognizing that there are individuals that are not like you and that are not as blessed as you. And that's the work that we do. You know, we humanize, we humanize the struggle. Mm -hmm. What I don't like to do or ever want to do is demonize individuals who are successful because I myself, I'm not working to be broke. I'm working mm -hmm. to, be, to be wealthy, you know, mm -hmm. so keeping the balance of the wealth as an option to always help those who aren't at my mm -hmm. level. Who aren't me, is, is, uh, that's the work as well. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I wouldn't suggest because you don't do anyone who is, marginalize any good by dwelling on the fact that they aren't good mm -mm. And like you have to say okay obviously you aren't where you want to be but because i am in a different station in life let's let's game plan to see what options can be created so that you can level up yourself mm -hmm. that's humanizing in the struggle that's empathizing and sympathizing with someone or, or a group of people that you yourself may not at that present moment be in the same because However, knowing that at any given time, in any given reality, you yourself and your family could be just like that, you know? And so just right. keeping that in your mind is, is, is what I plan to do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not an easy one to sit with, that like humility of like, could all be gone. Yeah, the humanizing piece is, you know, kind of what's been on my mind. And I wanted to to talk with you about it, even though, even though I can't see you, Courtney. <laughs> this is so weird. So I listen, I was listening, I think, to NPR's interview with an author, and I'm horrible because I don't remember the author's name, but hopefully if people want to find her, they can. And she had written a book. I haven't read it yet. And it was basically looking at how the people that were put in charge of separating the families at the border by the Trump administration, how did they carry out their orders? And in this story, they showed again the the clip that uh, of basically kids crying that it was kind of like called everybody's attention to what was happening at the border as it was unfolding. And it's just heart wrenching. And what this woman was highlighting, and this is the piece that really kind of is still sticking with me, is how often when she was interviewing the people that were guards and enforcers of, of this, they would have to reschedule their interview because they had like a soccer game that they went to for their kids or, you know, a kid was sick, so they had to reschedule. These were obviously engaged and caring parents. How did they psychologically separate their story of being a parent to their kids that they love from these kids that they're ripping from their parents' arms on the border. And just our capacity for dehumanizing others, which we obviously saw, you know, play out in in the Holocaust and in slavery. Like this is a this is a muscle that has been with us for a long time. And it's had extreme consequences. And so I guess from like a psychological perspective, I'm like, what is that? Why why do we have this capacity? What is the advantage of this capacity? And when do we know that we're tipping into dehumanization? The thing about it is that's always their kids. 
that's always someone else's responsibility. I take care of my family. I always make sure that my my wife and my kids and my dog and my house is protected. You know, like it's always someone else's issue. And so it's, it's I always thought and this is why it's hard to do the work we do sometimes because it's a perspective shift for me. You know, when I because I view everyone as family, whether it's a biological family or whether it's someone I just literally just met. Now that I said hello, now that we had a smile, now that we engaged in conversation, you are now family. So there is not too much that I wouldn't do for you because at the end of the day, I need you to know that your life is important. So when you ask about the kids on the border and juxtaposition that the kids are going to the soccer game, like that's their problem because if they viewed the, the kids on the border as if they could be their own kids, immigration will be a whole different ball. Right. People, people would think twice. Now, again, on this issue, I think there should be certain legality surrounding immigration. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, because you know? even if a, if a person is in jail for murder, they are still humans. Mm-hmm. They are not the sum total of their acts, mm-hmm. you know? And so at the end of the day now, we have to think about what's best, a best way, just like we have to think about what's the best way to reform the mass incarceration and criminal justice system. We have to think about how do we reform and or dismantle our current immigration system? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it can't come with, A, leave the gates open, let everybody in, but it can't come with dehumanization of individuals trying to get here as well because whether we want to admit it or not there are two different types of people that are trying to immigrate to the u.s your people of color and then you're still white immigrants and the white immigrants never feel the difficulty or don't feel it as much as a person of color would immigrate if they would try to immigrate to the u.s and so just thinking about that Mm -hmm. because people try to separate the lens of race and culture and ethnicity in the U.S. And now, because it's like baked into our, our culture, there's no separation. Mm-hmm. Like, everything has a component of racism because racism is what we look, smell, taste, walk on, feel every day of our life. And so to try to separate it with this, oh, that, that's not always about black and white. That's not always about race. Yeah, you, you, you're, 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 kind of playing yourself because it, you can't even begin to think about it separating those issues when the issue itself is one issue. Yeah. And that makes it that makes it really tricky to try to untangle it intellectually because, you know, there's this impulse to try to understand, you know, well, well what is race relate? You know, is this related to relate race? Am I feeling this because of race or it's so complex, the nature of how we try to understand things. And it makes me appreciate, you know, you're pointing to the attitudinal change of like, just assume this person is family. And that's a lovely approach. I I have a couple questions about it. One is, how do you observe yourself speaking to people differently as you're assuming that they're family? Like, I guess I'm just wondering about like, what does it look like to stay in the place of of humanizing everyone around you? And my second question is just around like, well, what about the shitty people? Because <laughs> I have a huge mistrust. Something that's come with being a mom is I have a lot more mistrust of people. Yeah, of course. As you, I mean, unfortunately, you should. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a, a load of money. At the end of the day, I'm be honest with you, you cannot, it's sort of instinctual, you know, like if moms 
Like if you came upon someone who had fucked up feelings for your daughters, that those are some hairs that would raise on the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think you just invite people into your home all the time, but you invited me into your home damn near the first time I came home, you know, because mm-hmm. there, there's, there's that feeling. Mm-hmm. So it's less of a, a science and more of an art because mm-hmm. when I talk to someone, I always talk to them as if they can kill me with the fact of they may not as well. You know, so it, it's like. <laughs> so you're talking to them like family and they, they could kill you. Yeah. That's a lot to hold. That's a lot to hold. Because, and the more that I talk to them, the less the wall goes down around they can kill me because. Obviously, I talk to my family because I have a, a shot. Well, your family could kill you too, but it's less of a, a a probability that my blood or someone who I've known for a long time will kill me versus mm-hmm. someone who's steeped in addiction and they they are trying to get their next fix. And I look like a, a person that may have a couple dollars or something they can steal. It is mm-hmm. what it is. That's my life. It's my life or theirs. And they may not even want to but that addiction has this hold on them. And so they'll do what they have to do. I am not naive to that fact. However, what if they don't though? What if that's a possibility for me to save a life? So I, I got it. It's like, it's a duality. You have to go into almost every situation with like, yeah, I could die today. However, I may not. And if I don't, and if I'm blessed to live another day, I want to be this interaction with this person to see me as someone that, that we can walk this walk and we can learn from each other and, and I can be a blessing to them. But if I look at everyone as a potential, a person of potential that causes me harm, I can't live like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that is the thing that poverty does so well. It creates enemies sometimes that do not exist mm-hmm. because you have to survive. And so if I see you and I'm starving, starving, and your, and your family just came out of a restaurant, rubbing their bellies, this and that. I may kill your whole family, not because I don't like your whole family, but be the pain and the anger, just how comfortable you look in life. Well, I, my mother just died. My father's in jail. Like, addiction is killing me. I don't have a place to eat or sleep. My son was just murdered. Like, people don't look at it like that. It's like, you just did this to me. Yeah, they did that to you, and it was horrible. But what would you do if all of those circumstances were happening to you this very moment. Mm-hmm. This very moment, you're homeless, your mother or, or sister or a family member is involved in sex work, taken advantage of, your, your father, your brothers are in jail, recidivism is high in your family, you want to do better, but you can't because you're wrapped up in either gang activity or just a circumstance in your community, you're starving. Like, that is a different type of pressure. You can't even breathe. That that pressure on your chest is like you cannot breathe. From the moment you wake up to the time you get some sleep, life is fucking you up. Mm-hmm. And I see someone who's happy. Oh, nah. Mm-hmm. What the fuck you smiling for? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like that. People don't have that thought of poverty. Poverty is a different monster. There are individuals that do crime just because they're shitty people. But there's right. also people that do crime because... There is no way out in their mind. You almost have to be delusional to live in poverty and think that you can get out because poverty is normal. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in poverty and I'm poor and I don't have a pot to piss in, that's my normal. So when people say, oh, damn, 
I went to school. That's just normal. Why can't you read a book? Why can't you do that? Normal? Do you know what normal is? Normal is all of what everything I just went through. And so it, humanizing it again and uh, think about it from someone else's perspective starts to make you think that, you know what? Okay, cool. I should be cognizant of the possibility that this person can cause me harm, mm-hmm. but also know why the harm can be caused. It's a it's a weird thing. It, it, it's, it's almost tricky. What, listening to you, I'm just thinking about, you know, I mean, first of all, it's such a, a powerful thing to listen to you talk about poverty and your understanding of poverty, because I am in a very privileged situation where I have not had to live through that. And it's definitely something that's important. Like, it feels important to be exposed to that. And it feels like, you know, in the context of this question of humanizing, like it takes a certain effort to go out there and and seek a embodied understanding of the different cultures that we're navigating in in the US. It's so easy to just stay in our silos and stay in our, you know, even the social media algorithms like reinforce that, like get more in your silo, get more in your silo. And the ways that cities have been created and roads have been put down reinforces that. And just the effort that it takes to expand perspective if you don't happen to be someone who's moved through several different cultures like you have a you have a really wide range of experiences in the US and I feel like I have a really wide range of experiences internationally but less so in the US like I could definitely use a lot more like deep dive immersion into different cultures here because it all leads to just a deeper understanding and that I guess it becomes like an impulse right that you can humanize when you feel that familiarity there's a proximity and the human part of myself would take over. Like, I also just think about like, you know, hearkening back to our episode with Idolette McVictor of like, you know, thinking about those security guards, like what about their soul? Like what has to happen to them to get to a place where they are forcibly removing a three-year-old from their mom? You know, Like that person is gonna be harrowed for the rest of their life if they are nightmares, you know? Like I, I just can't really imagine what the toll that it takes and the impact of how you have to split yourself to even do that. And how any of us, and I reflect on these extremes to then ask like how any of us do that in smaller ways every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some people say it's, it's the job, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is why I always tell people, whether it comes to police officers or border agents or I- anything, you never say those people are bad people. You can't. They're not the ones that are telling people to go get kids out of the house. They are just the ones that have to enforce that. While the people that told them to mm-hmm. are sleeping, sleeping safely in their bed. And instead of demonizing those individuals, we have to take the fight to individuals that create laws. Yeah. Because those are the individuals that are, are removed from the problem. They're removed from seeing kids. They don't see it. They don't hear it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. The kids crying because now they, they don't have a mom. You know, like they don't see that. Yeah. So we have to start thinking long term or thinking like, you know, let's go. Let's take the problem to the source instead of police are bad. Fuck the police. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Like you, you, you mm-hmm. sound you still, obviously to show that you don't understand legislation, just like understanding that presidents don't make rules. You know, mm-hmm. we, we need to understand the laws, we need to understand what's going on to actually change them. And, and and being less emotional about how things look. 
mm-hmm. you know? And so that, yeah. I, I try my best to, 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 I mean, border agents, that's a hard job. Yeah. And I, I also want to like, just, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate your view of saying like, let's not demonize the, the border agents or the police. And I agree with that. Cause that was part of this, this interview as well. It's just like, they had to do it. That is, that is their job and that they were able to do it. You know, that's the slippery point for me. And like, you know, I remember learning about World War II in school and being like, that's impossible. How could people have ever carried out that, those orders, you know, and it's possible and it's happening here. Like that, that's my, the the shock of it. And I feel for them because they, they're, I feel like they're going to have long-term ramifications of, of doing that kind of destruction and of families and causing trauma, uh, you know, but it's just a very upsetting thing that we have that that muscle to flex all of us have the the capacity to disconnect from other people so much that we treat them inhumanely and i mean that's why we're that's why we call this podcast humanized because it's the opposite of that you know trying to draw people closer and create proximity and 100 percent. it's just so that just listening to that story it just felt there's a lot there a lot to continue to consider and um yeah i don't know but we got to keep our word for this being a mini episode. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it up and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode and look forward to being in touch more. Courtney, I hope you finish out your time in Atlanta well and I'll see you back here in Colorado. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Get ready for some more heat. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.